I'm Erica Lynn, and we all know the ocean is the most demanding environment on Earth, consistently testing the reliability and durability of our equipment. When you spend as much time fishing as I do, you know that reliable gear is essential for staying on the water. This is why I went with Abyss Battery to power my trolling motor, electronics, and outboard. The guys at Abyss Battery are rattling the saltwater industry by manufacturing performance marine batteries specifically designed for sonar, outboards, trolling motors, and electronic fishing reels. They're also Bluetooth compatible, so I found Checking battery statuses right on your phone while you're out on the water is a huge game changer. To learn more about why Abyss batteries are used by the pros and factory installed by Premier Boat Builders, visit AbyssBattery.com. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. So there's a reason why I started Blood Origins. And that reason is simple. Is that I wanted to convey the truth about hunting. It brings awareness to to non-hunters that... It's, it's more than just killing animals. How do I start it? Brittany. My name my is... Name. <laughs> Does my hair look okay? It's fantastic. My name is Mike Axelrod. Start again. Yeah, I hated it too. <laughs> Braxton, you said something in the car to me. You said that you were living on borrowed time. Hmm. There's a perception around who hunters are, what we're supposed to be, and a... A feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. I sound like you now <laughs> instead of like I'm in a hole. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, let's start again. Right. And uh, so we're sitting in North Carolina right now near the border of Virginia in a kitchen mm-hmm. with... This fa- well, <laughs> Meredith Bernard. <laughs> I don't know who I am. This farm um, wife. <laughs> this farm wife. That's right. You um, are this farm wife on YouTube and Instagram mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. have a very large farming ag community following. Yeah, I think that's probably right. I definitely I draw in some more non-farmers probably on my YouTube channel, but it's still the majority farming or mm-hmm. or... Or people that have at least been exposed to or had farming in their past or history and enjoy following along. What about, do you know the percentage of people on there that hunt? No, I really don't. I know, I mean, I know some people do. And I, I don't talk about it a lot mm-hmm. on my channel. Um, do you get a bunch of hate when you put something up about I hunting? I put up something last year about this time <laughs> when I went when, when we had when dove season mm-hmm, came in, mm-hmm. and I I didn't have a ton of negative comments, but there was enough for me to say hmm, maybe that's not something yeah, <laughs> I need course. to talk about a lot. But yeah. then again, I think this will be a good opportunity to to share um, kind of my thoughts and feelings about hunting and why it is important to our family and it's something we do and we're proud to do and I'm proud that my children are, are growing sure. up doing so. And that's why we're here, right? You have yeah. a, you're a non-hunter. Right. And you have a perspective on hunting that's shaped by the people in your life mm-hmm. as well as the farm life and the responsibility mm-hmm. of 
life and ethics tied to mm-hmm. kids being outdoors and learning responsibility of gun safety, of yeah. wildlife populations, conservation, whatnot. And mm-hmm. that perspective to us as a hunting community, to us as our project, is probably more valuable than a hunter telling a non-hunting <laughs> community why hunting is okay. Right, right. Yeah, that makes sense. Sometimes it's it's uh, it helps to hear it from a different perspective. Um, and hopefully that'll have some merit. <laughs> oh, no, it certainly uh-huh. has merit. And what you said last night, we filmed your non-hunter perspective last night, and then you mm. fed, promptly fed us <laughs> steaks with butter. That's yes. what you're known for. <laughs> And Jesse, it's the cameraman, specialty. demolished two T-bones. Two T-bones. That yep. was impressive. We <laughs> offered him the scraps as well, but he refused <laughs> yeah, to eat the scraps. <laughs> so we're sitting here in the kitchen in which we uh, ate that supper last night. Mm-hmm. Um, so, no, I really, one, I want to just say thank you to you for you know being forthright in allowing us to do this because... <coughs> A lot of people would look at, say, for instance, your community, mm-hmm. and you and you're making money from it, and mm. it, it's part of now your business, right? And yeah. you would be f- completely okay saying to me, Robbie, I love <laughs> what you're doing, I think it's important, but I'm not getting involved. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I could have said that. I'm glad I didn't. <laughs> I I think what you're doing is important, and I love the way. After I saw some of your videos and how you go about sharing your stories, the two of y'all working together do an amazing job of truly putting it out there as a story and making mm-hmm. it, you know, relatable mm-hmm. and sharing all facets mm-hmm. of hunters. And I, you know, I watched some of your other videos with some other women and that, you know, everybody does things different. Correct. And that's what I love. And that's what I love about storytelling too, is not only the differences, but finding the commonalities because I just think everybody's story kind of relates in some way. Oh, no, there's the more definitely we a share. connected thread between <laughs> yeah, everyone's story. I think so. That's what I love about storytelling. I mean, I consider myself a storyteller, too. Mm-hmm. So what elements, one of the things we touched on yesterday was this idea of perceptions, mm-hmm. misconceptions, right? and how agriculture and hunting really, <laughs> we're in the same boat. There is these conceptions, uh, these perceptions and misconceptions around agriculture. Mm-hmm. And there's perceptions and misconceptions around hunting. And that's essentially what this whole project is about, is changing those perceptions, changing the misconceptions. Mm -hmm. And essentially, that's what you're doing, too. You're saying, this is what farm life is like. Yeah, exactly. This is what it's actually like. (laughs) And this this is how important, you know, our cows really are. And this is how we treat them on a daily basis. And this is how we raise them. And this is actually where your meat is coming from it doesn't just come from the grocery store freezer section or refrigerator section like it it starts somewhere and this is where some of it starts and there's you know this is just one one small family farm but amplified this is where your your food comes from and that's what i love about sharing and now that it's getting a larger audience and, and hearing feedback from people thank you for showing this either thank you from the perspective of somebody else that does this and you know they want people to know or more often than not it's people that say I just never really considered how much work goes into the food that's you know eventually ends up in the grocery store and on Mm -hmm. our table and it just kind of it makes it more personal I think Mm -hmm. and 
people realize there's, you know, there's people behind their food. It's not all this, you know, these perceptions of big factory farms or whatever that is. That's just not really reality. How Um, often do you get people commenting or saying something like, wow, I never realized? Oh, every time I post a video. Yeah. Multiple people say that. And um, they just, a lot of times too, they say they feel like following our family along is... <laughs> they they say it's kind of soothing, or they which is like always something going on here on the farm. Like we're like living this chaotic life. Sometimes it feels like from just you know jumping from one thing to the other. But they say they just it's calming, and they feel like it's a you know it's a great place to be able to come in and sit down and and see what we're up to, and and it's a safe place for them to set their kids in front of the TV and and watch and learn and I love that. I love being able to expose people to this lifestyle mm-hmm. that maybe have never been exposed to it before. So And that lifestyle is actually there are connections to hunting all throughout your day, all throughout the different seasons, right? Your kids hunt. Right. My kids hunt, especially my son. My daughter's really wanting to get into it more this year. Um yeah, he's 12 now. He's been hunting since he was six. He's killed turkey. He's killed deer. He's he's um he's coyote. done <laughs> coyote. Just got his first coyote, and mm-hmm. that that was a big deal. Um, coyote around here are just more and more plentiful, and that is a threat to our baby calves. So you're completely okay with predator control? Yes, yes, we appreciate that, and we do. I mean, that's why my husband. He's often seen in videos with a sidearm on or his rifle and his tractor. And some people are like, why does he need that? Well, because ca- you can't kill something if you don't have it <laughs> with you. And I mean, that's typically, I mean, that's the biggest reason he carries all the time is in case he sees a coyote. Because coyote are not welcome here. They are predators and there's there's really nothing else in the area that controls their population you know, another animal in the ecosystem around here that's going to actually help control their 100%. population. And then they, they can breed with wild dogs, and then we get these koi dogs, and those can be really bad and mm-hmm. packed together too. So that helps helps protect our calves. And like I said too, it also helps protect fawns. And, you know, we do we do our best to, to keep the wildlife, all the wild, wildlife on our farm healthy and thriving and um, controlled to an extent as well because we do raise some crops and deer can be vicious on soybeans and corn too. We always plant a little extra on the edges and we plant bird plots and for for quail we're starting to see a little more quail come back and they were almost I mean you just never saw Mm -hmm. them. We've seen more this year than we have in years so that's exciting. So you have a deer club. There's yes. a hunting lease Hunt. on your property. That's right. Yeah, we, we lease the land to a group of 10 to 12 hunters, and that that helps in several ways. It helps pay our taxes on the land, and it helps with that control, that population control, and um, they're just a really good group of guys. There's We talked about this as well. There's understood and um, stated and non-stated <laughs> rules, you know, they're, they're very ethical. Everything's done ethically and legally here. And I'm not paying you to say this, right? No, you're not. No, you're not. <laughs> no, I got beef jerky. <laughs> That's right. 
<laughs> wow, that's a great payment right there. <laughs> it works. And a t-shirt. No, it works. Um, just being able to get my voice out there and share our story is payment enough. But uh, yeah, that group of guys has been really beneficial. And I mean, they're more like family now than anything, too. And it, it just is nice having them out and about on the farm different times of year, whether mm-hmm. it's because I mean, there's different seasons. They're here. Mm-hmm. In the spring, turkey hunting, and then they're here in the summer, kind of, you know, they do, uh, they go around and they have work days where they come up and help, you know, with fallen trees and, and then their eyes on the farm, because we have a, a sizable amount of land, and they help keep eyes on things and let us know if, if fences are down or cows are out or they're seeing something, you know, that needs attention that maybe we've missed. So it's really been a really good relationship. And good thing for us. So I want to get a little bit into the perceptions, mm-hmm. especially around hunting. Okay. And the perceptions of, of hunting to a non-hunter. Mm-hmm. And they obviously are going to be formed by what you see, how you interact with hunters, what mm-hmm. interactions you've had with hunters, what mm-hmm. negative or positive interactions you've had. Mm-hmm. So your hunters that you interact with, they shoot anything that walks right (laughs) wrong (laughs) no no that's not allowed there's definitely uh there's size limits there's there's limits on does and there's limits on bucks of course that's you know that's state that's law Mm -hmm. um but you know there's there's stipulations within the hunting uh, club rules because they have a full set of rules that bylaws that they follow and as far as size and and letting little bucks walk and get bigger and you know um, I mean we'd love for them to to shoot as many does as they're allowed legally and um, especially you know if they're older they just need to right need to be harvested <laughs> yeah yeah and so the the deer that they do harvest mm-hmm. they just shoot them leave them in the field the mm-hmm. bucks they cut the head off and they leave everything mm. in the field right no not at all <laughs> those people that do that there's that's been known to happen around here not with our guys but that is very much frowned upon that kind of thing no night hunting nothing illegal like that no spotlighting and would and you hunting. call that hunting no i wouldn't call that poaching right right 100 <laughs> percent yeah, um, not cool. No, they they everything is taken out and and um, you know cleaned and gutted and um, I mean they all eat the meat. A lot of the hunters, that's like what they have in their freezer. Some of them buy some beef from us too, but the majority of them eat eat their venison all year long, and we do some of that too. Mm-hmm. We eat some too. We don't. My husband doesn't hunt as much as he did growing up, but now that my son's into it, of course, when when he gets one, that's that's one thing that I love is the pride he has in what he's done and being able to cook and prepare that meat for our family and put it on the table and see the pride he has mm-hmm. and knowing that he actually provided supper for his family. Yeah. That I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that. And, and I'm, you can see it beaming in his, his eyes, I right? know, yeah. And I'm, I've learned. I've never had never eaten rabbit or squirrel, but I've now cooked it and fried it, and it's good stuff. <laughs> so that's so interesting. People obviously can hear your accent, and you're from the South. And yeah, I am. Born and raised in, in North, North Carolina. Carolina. Mm-hmm. And you're, you don't hunt. No, I don't hunt, and I'd, I I grew up in a family that hunting was um, 
definitely not frowned upon. My dad just, it wasn't something that he did. We had close family, friends and family that hunted and would take my brother hunting some. And my granddad, I only had one granddad living when after I was born, but he had done a lot of hunting in the past. But by the time I came along, he was older and he didn't do that anymore. So there was just stories about it, you know, but so I never had a negative perception of hunting it was I mean I, I guess in some ways I was probably just kind of indifferent to mm-hmm. it you know mm-hmm. I mean no we siblings would that hunted just I did have a younger brother and he hunted some okay. he um and I remember it was more he spent a lot of time in the in an old deer blind it was called Sam's place and it, it was kind of a neat thing near our house and he spent time there and did that but I don't remember him ever actually you know killing very many and mm-hmm. We would eat some venison that we got from our neighbor and cook it and loved it. But, yeah, it just wasn't a big part of my growing up. Yeah, it's fan- it's fascinating that there's, you know, people have, again, perceptions mm-hmm. around people in the South, redneck. <laughs> oh, yeah. Have well, to be a hunter. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's plenty of those. <laughs> I mean, I can. St- we're pretty redneck in some ways. I mean, I, we're sitting here looking at a mattress on my porch. <laughs> That's very true. Very true. I we tried to keep that out of the shot last <laughs> night. Yeah, I didn't get taken off. <laughs> We've been changing things up here. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess we don't all fit into that 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 mold. <laughs> oh, exactly. Yeah, and I think that's the that's the key is that. There's generalizations, and generalizations occur in hunting, that there's this mold, there's this Hollywood, sort of Hollywoodified version mm. of what a hunter's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Redneck, shoots everything, mm-hmm. leaves deer wanting, sort of wanting in the field, just cuts off the head, spotlighting. Right. Those are all things that are monikered with a hunter, mm-hmm. and it's all of those things are wrong. Right. Um, but it's this, it's the same situation you're in. Right. It's the moniker of what a farmer is supposed to be. Exactly. You know, he's a polluter of the environment. He's right. doesn't take care of the land. He, you know, he just, he raises cows and he makes a bunch of money. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's so laughable <laughs> as a farmer and a rancher because all of that is not true right down to the, a lot of money. <laughs> it's, yeah. a, it's a lot of work and everything that we do here centers around the health and the well-being and the welfare of the animals we raise. Our animals come before us every day. I mean, they get fed and they get taken care of and there's not a day off. And, um, you know, everything revolves around their their health and well-being. And we do, I mean, we take a lot of pride in raising healthy cattle that's going to be nutritious for anyone that eats it, and that includes ourselves. I mean, we eat our own beef as well. So, you know, it's not in our it's not in our advantage to to not do the very best we can mm-hmm. by our cattle. And I don't, that's why I don't understand sometimes that people would think, like a farmer and a rancher, it's in their best interest to keep their animals' best interest at heart and to do you know to treat them. Mm-hmm correctly and treat the sick and and keep them healthy and fed and watered and fresh water and we do that we fenced out our streams a few years ago water we did a whole conservation program and had new waters installed so there's you know there's frost freeze they don't freeze waters that are out there for all the cattle and um, I mean like I said too that helps 
that's there for wildlife too. So it's really, they all just kind of, it all really marries together. You talked about yesterday that farming wasn't, wasn't about living. It wasn't a, it's not a, uh, we don't, yeah, we don't necessarily, it's not about making a living, it's making a life. That's what my husband always says. Mm -hmm. He says we, a lot of days it doesn't feel like, (laughs) seem like we're making a living. We're just scraping by, but it's more of a life and a lifestyle and that's, um, that's really what's beautiful about it. And I, I say beautiful. I think a lot of times, too, farming can be kind of and ranching. Yes, romanticized. And, you you know, when you see it in a movie or <laughs> read some novel about it or whatever, people have this grandiose idea. And, yes, there are, like, those glimpses and those moments mm-hmm. that can be that way. But, you know, 95% of the time it's just a whole lot of hard work and mm-hmm. sweat equity and... Mm-hmm blood sweat and tears and <laughs> prayer and faith a lot of faith and uh you know just perseverance and because it's always something for us it is anyway i think a lot of farmers feel that way no, are always battling something usually weather or equipment yeah or help <laughs> yeah yesterday you we talked about obviously you weren't raised a a hunter, but you're also not raised a farmer. No, that's right. And we <laughs> talked about farming. You mentioned that farming is in your blood. And then you mm-hmm. corrected yourself and you go, no, 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 it's not in my blood. <laughs> but I said, no, I think that farming is actually in your blood. And it's quite a tie-in to, obviously, one of our lines and our project is it's in the blood. Mm. You yeah. know, it's that thing that's a part of you. Whether, whether or not genetically... Mm-hmm. Now, genetically, I think the same as hunting. Genetically... We all came from hunting. That's right. Genetically, we also all came from gathering. Right. That's and right. And probably yeah. some sort of... And then when the agricultural revolution occurred and, mm-hmm. you know, making crops and farming and tilling the land and making mm-hmm. something off the land, that's that's part of everyone. That's why we're here today. Right. That's um, right. So that, that those two things, you know, definitely marry together. Mm-hmm. But, it, you know, people... Like you, for instance, non-hunter can become a hunter. Right. And hunting, even then, would would be in your blood. Mm. Yeah. But it not DNA. Genetically, it came from my father or my grandfather. You're just a late adult onset hunter. Right. You're essentially a late adult onset farmer. Yes, I am. <laughs> That's what I am. Yeah, because I did. I was ma- I married into farming and... Uh, I did have a grandfather. My grandfather was a potato farmer, mm-hmm. but by the time I came along, the farm was no more. So I, you know, I guess it's there is a piece of that of <laughs> literally in my blood. But I was not exposed to that lifestyle at all growing up, and uh, it's just kind of funny. And I think some people, even you know, some of my family just can't believe how I've kind of just like, you know, moved right into this and really taken it by the horns and. Well, that was a pun, but it was a pretty good one. <laughs> I like puns. Um, anyway, I digress. I'm chasing squirrels. But how I just kind of uh, really dove into it. And and then I quit my corporate job six years ago. And so when I came home and uh, started working day to day, you know, truly right beside my husband, um, the things that I've learned and the things that I'm doing, I never never dreamed I'd have my own big tractor and be dragging a big rake around to a day and helping feed and and really trying to learn the ins and outs um 
and I want to, I mean, I want to, and he's willing to teach me and, um, and hopefully the kids seeing that and being involved in that too will, you know, they're learning. I know they're learning. They're learning things every mm-hmm. day. And that's another thing I love about this. Well, that's the lifestyle. Meaning, right? Yep. The meaning and the why mm-hmm. behind what you do every day. Yep. The next generation. <laughs> yeah. Keeping it going. And, uh, and that being said, we'll never, I mean, we don't have this thing where we tell our kids, you, you know, you have to stay here. You have to keep the farm going. If they choose to, that will be awesome. Mm-hmm. I don't want them to leave. Mm-hmm. But if they choose not to, that's fine too. We want, you know, of course, I want we want our kids to to do what God put them here to do, whatever that is. But I do believe that the lessons they're learning here are lessons that they'll be able to take with them, whatever they do, wherever they go in life, and hopefully um, be for the better. I think so. No, I agree. There's, you know, just growing up out here, growing up in the outdoors, mm-hmm. being really exposed to anything, right? Yeah, lots they of exposure. That's what their preschool teacher told me too. You can tell they've been exposed to a lot. They would say things, you know, about the animals and things. They would see. I was like, yeah, but I don't regret that. But how awesome to be exposed to the responsibility of life. And mm-hmm. <coughs> like we talked about yesterday, the circle of life. Yeah, truly the circle of life. And that's what they see. We see it from... From babies, we're getting ready to start calving in October, and that's really my favorite time of year. So we'll have calves sitting in the ground, but inevitably there's, you know, there's problems, there's issues. Like, you know, we'll end up with a bottle calf. Mama won't make it or mama won't take it or whatever. And then there's that responsibility, and they're out there feeding the bottle calf two to three times a day. And um, and then we recently, we had an old milk cow that we had as a nurse cow, and uh she had gotten really old, but we just, she was one of the exceptions that we said we'd get to stay here, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> live her whole life because she'd been really good mm-hmm. to us. So we fed her and kept her, kept her going. And, and she recently passed. And I think I had a harder time <laughs> with that than even the kids just, yeah. I mean, it does hurt. Like it always hurts to lose an animal. So talk about that sadness because that, <laughs> that sadness is also inherent to hunting. That right. when we pull the trigger. Yeah. There is an inherent sadness to what you've just done. Yeah. Okay. That I, I'm kind of interested to hear more about that too. I've, I think as somebody who I truly support hunting, I have no problem with it, but that's part of my, I don't know that I could mm-hmm. actually pull a trigger mm-hmm. on a deer. Now I, I can shoot a dove. <laughs> I did that, but there's something about, I don't know. I don't know that I could. And Do you think that that is because of Bambi? Mm. No, I don't know. I don't, I don't know about Bambi, but just, just the idea of taking a lie. But you're okay <laughs> knowing, I'm and, okay. I, I'm, and I'm purposely <laughs> yeah. poking here, right? Yeah. You're okay knowing that a beef cow left your facility mm. and went and got killed mm. and then ends up as meat on the plate. Yeah, I am. And I'm not going to say that doesn't always bother me either. Mm. There's always, I mean, it is when we load them on the trailer and we take them and unload them or they leave, Mm -hmm. especially, especially if there's some that I've actually gotten kind of attached to. Try not to name them, but sometimes we do. (laughs) There's favorites. I'm like, oh, I don't know. But yeah, it's just something I realized that this is, you know, you just have to, I find a way to separate it. Of course. It's, it's, well, it's what part of the life cycle. Yeah, it is. That's why they're being raised. 
we know that we've done our best with them while they were here. We, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what provides for our family. Mm-hmm. So when I look at it like that, mm-hmm. and I guess, yeah, if I turn that around, mm-hmm. it's much the same for a hunter. Mm-hmm. Well, it yeah. is because I think my grandfather, he, he wrote it down. and He, he never said it to me because I never got to experience hunting with him. But mm-hmm. he said that if you didn't experience sadness, and there'll be a lot of people listening to this and go, well, I've never experienced sadness. And, and I'd, I'd question that because I think you have. Mm-hmm. Even maybe for a fraction of a second, mm-hmm. as you walk up to the animal, you know, or mm-hmm. you've had a shot and that animal, you know, maybe your shot was wrong. And that happens also, let's be honest. Sure. Sometimes sure. shooting goes wrong right. and you have to do a follow-up shot. And in right. that moment of that animal mm. kicking... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That that hu- that hits you somewhere inside, and you know the mm-hmm. vegans will talk about that being your your moral fiber, your moral ethic, and I agree that that is that is your moral fiber, that is your moral ethic. Mm. But in our sense, we know that what we're trying to do, one, we have we want to be as ethical as possible in in the taking of that life because we understand the responsibility of what we're doing. Right. Um, but it's it goes there's multi facets behind that act, and and you may be as a hunter may not be purposely you may not be purposely shooting that doe for management. Mm-hmm. You may be. Mm-hmm. You may not be purposely shooting that doe for meat. Right. You may Maybe. be. Mm-hmm. But there's no, nobody's going out there or very, very few people are going out there and putting wanton slaughter right. to wildlife. And because that's not happening, mm-hmm. there is no inherent um the way that i see it there's no inherent joy mm-hmm. in the act of killing right and so there's rather when you pull that trigger you're elated because you, you've accomplished this thing that is that is hunting and, and don't get me wrong the finality of hunting mm-hmm. is killing something right and that's that's the the crux of where Every single rhetoric, every single perception, every single misconception falls right there. Mm. Yeah. In that we are taking life. Right. Yeah. But it's the understanding of why mm-hmm. that act occurs. Mm-hmm. And also being, and, and then we are not very good at showing the respect, the gratitude, the sadness mm-hmm. of the act. Right. Rather we... Uh, what 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 in our industry has has we have this thing called the trophy shot, right, 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 that's what which I was is the thinking. celebration, mm-hmm. and that's no, p- there, there's nothing wrong with the celebration. There's nothing wrong with the trophy shot, mm-hmm. except when somebody like you, like a non-hunter, looks at it and goes, "Why are they smiling behind killing something?" Right, right, yeah. Instead, if you had given the whole story. Right, exactly. What happened, the storytelling aspect of it, just mm-hmm. like you're doing for farm life. Right. The storytelling aspect of this is what happened. Mm-hmm. This is w- the result. Mm-hmm. Here's the meat on our plate. Mm-hmm. Here's the management objective in terms of the habitats. Mm-hmm. Those are the things that we tend to forget because... It's not shared. It's not shared. <laughs> yeah, well, it's just not the r- the those stories are not being shared. That's right. Right, right. But you are. You're doing a good job to. of that. We're yeah, trying to. We, can We're only, trying to. we can only do what we can do, exactly. but it's a good start. Well, we appreciate you allowing us to be here. Thank you for your hospitality. Thank you for being here. We really enjoyed it. 
My little girl said, y'all have to come back. She said, Mama, they have to come back. Yep. They're my new favorite people. Well, she told awesome. me that. That's so. awesome. We love that. I agree. We love that. <laughs> Any uh, final words for anything associated with what we've talked about? I don't know. I just, other than uh, kind of the one thing I always try to share is just the fact that our stories do matter. I just feel like everybody's stories matter. Whatever that is, whatever you're doing in life, whatever you're doing, and especially, you know, push that out to the hunters and the farmers to share your story because um, there's a lot of people out there that want to share it for us and they don't want to do it in a correct, truthful, or positive way. So I think the more of us that are out there telling our stories authentically mm-hmm. and um, and and wisely, you know, it's... It's just what we need more of that and realizing that we really all do have more in common than we realize. Exactly. And we're we're all better together. It's another saying I like to I throw like out it. there. So I like it better together. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Meredith. Thank you. Well, that's it for today. I appreciate you listening, as always. Leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting.